podcast starts now. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Play on Words podcast, which I'm wondering if I should have actually named it Hot Topics, Hot Takes, uh, because that's what we're talking about. Um, I wanted to start by sharing one of your emails that made my day, because as you know, I love to tell my brain to look for what's working because it is so inclined, like every brain is inclined to look for the things that aren't working or to be hard on ourselves, especially if you are a perfectionist, like I am a recovering perfectionist. So I'm teaching my brain to look for what is working. And that starts with your emails and reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast, will you please? It not only means a lot to me and helps me know what topics are helpful to you to bring more of, but it helps other people see the podcast. And my goal with this podcast is to make education topics and early parenting and early learning and teaching topics more accessible and easy to understand. And that's why we do it in this free way. So your reviews help more people get access to that. So if you haven't already, would you please submit a review? It means a lot. Okay, this actually is not a review. This was an email, and this was in regards to a workshop that I led last week, which I will be leading again. Um, And if you can't make it live, all of our things that we do live, you can get the recording too. So um, this was a workshop in beginners, how to teach a reading lesson. I broke down in 90 minutes why the science of reading matters, what we do about sight words, what preschoolers need, games to play that actually build lifelong reading skills, what is necessary, what the research says, what you can get rid of. And I think it was my best presentation ever. (laughs) So uh, I was really proud of myself because I put about 10 years of my own research and work into 90 minutes, which was very challenging. That's why I was proud of myself because I could have talked forever. So this was an email right after the workshop that I got that really made my whole day. It says, Miss Beth, kiss your brain. As a reading specialist and mom, that was the most informative 90 minutes of my life. You just taught me more than I learned in six years of school and five years of parenting. I took off my headphones and looked at my husband after and said, she's going to be president. Thank you so much for all the information. As always, one of your biggest fans, Kelsey. Thank you, Kelsey. That made my whole, I would say, year um, because it I try to make topics that I didn't learn easier to understand and easier to access. And it's quite challenging sometimes to simplify or to make it really short and to the point. So thank you so much. I don't have any aspirations to be president or any political role ever. That sounds like a true nightmare, but I appreciate your confidence in me. Maybe I would be like some sort of role that would like assist someone, but I do not want to be that public facing. Definitely not mayor. That seems like, oof, not for me. Blessings to everyone who is. Okay. 
Today we are talking about, I'm answering a question that I got in my DMs about Bob books. And I'm going to explain what those are if you're like, what the heck are Bob books? Um, I'm going to explain what they are and um, kind of explain options that you have. Um, but okay, here's the question. This came from Amy. Read Bob books, assuming that you don't recommend these. We've been gifted the entire set of Bob books but I want my little one to learn phonics, not sight words. Are the Bob books good for anything or should I just donate or offer up these books? Great question, Amy. Thank you so much for writing in. First, let's talk about what Bob books are. So Bob books are, they've been around for, I think like 50 years. Um, and they are really short books. They're like black and white paper books. Um, if you kind of ever saw like Dick and Jane, it's kind of like those style books, but they're just characters that are like circle and triangle and square people. And they're really short sentences. Um, like Bob runs to a cat. And they're decodable, which means that kids can sound them out. Now, I know I've talked about saying the word, the phrase sounded out before, and it doesn't make sense if we haven't taught kids how to play with sounds. But basically, they're words that are decodable, so not irregular patterns, where like the word is, is technically an irregular word because the it's spelled I-S, but it sounds like I-Z. But the Bob books are mostly decodable, meaning like the sounds follow the sounds that we hopefully have taught kids. Taking it a step back, this is why it's very important to teach the correct sounds when teaching the ABCs. And um, we want to make sure that kids know each of the correct sounds so that when they look and start to blend words, which means like put two to three sounds together to build a word, whether it's real or nonsense, they are able to say the correct sound. So if we say like A says ah, when we're teaching kids the alphabet, and then one of the first words we put in front of them is the word cat. And we're like, okay, sound it out. K-ot, cat, doesn't really make sense. So it's really, really important. And this is actually one of the big points that I taught in my workshop last week. It's really important to make sure that you, the grown up have a deep understanding of the sounds that every letter makes and why we do everything that we do. This is why I don't just blindly recommend a curriculum to follow because it's really important that we understand why we are teaching this way instead of just following because kids, life, learning, everything is about what to do in that moment that we see a child struggling, not like, okay, I just have to keep following the curriculum. This, I believe, is why so many kids struggle with reading and a lot of learning concepts because we just are following curriculum, but we want to be teaching kids. We don't want to be teaching curriculum. If we're teaching curriculum, we're not teaching kids. So it's so important to understand why we are teaching the things that we teach and not just what to teach. So the letter sounds are super important because if we are 
teaching the sounds the wrong way. And then we say, okay, sound it out. And if we don't really even know what that phrase means, then it doesn't make sense to kids. I always tell people to try and get into beginner's mindset. I always am trying to learn something new so that I can put my mind in beginner's mind so that I can think about how kids are experiencing learning something new. Um, so that might look like I was learning to ice skate. I was learning how to swim. I mean, I, I was on the swim team when I was little, but as an adult, I would swim laps and I was like, I don't know that I'm doing this the right way for the most, you know, efficient breathing and all these things. So I took adult swimming lessons. I took tennis and pickleball lessons. I am always trying to be doing something that I'm not good at so that my brain understands what kids are going through and I can have experience in what they're what they're going through in that moment when they're learning something new. If we kind of think, well, I know how to read, so I should know how to teach reading. That would be like saying like, oh, I've played soccer, so I know how to teach soccer. Or, oh, I've cooked, uh, you know, I've eaten a meal, so I know I know how to cook. There's so many more skills that we need to be able to teach. So if you're a teacher listening or a parent listening, one of the biggest tricks I would say is make, Make sure that you are in beginner's mind sometimes so that you can understand what your kids are facing. Okay, so all that to say, it's very important to make sure that we are understanding the sounds before or even understand the phrases we're saying before we say, just sound it out. Um, I do teach all of the sounds in that workshop, but I'll just do the quick alphabet here. So A, A, B, B, C, K, D, D, E, F, F, G, H, I, I, J, J, K, K, L, U, M, M, N, N, O, A, P, Q, Q, R, R, S, S, T, T, U, A, V, W, W, X, X, Y, Y, Z, Z. So two things to note. We start with the short vowel sounds. So that means we don't say A, E, I, O, U. We say the short vowel sound. That's the easiest for kids beginning the ABCs to understand. And we want to make sure that we're not saying us at the end. We don't want to say B says buh or P says puh because that really confuses kids when they're learning to blend sounds together. So that's a basic explanation of decodables. So Bob books are decodable books. So that means we can mostly sound out the things that we see, uh, the words that we see. I do not like to introduce Bob books until I have explicitly taught all of the sounds that they will be seeing. So that means that I might have taught eight letter sounds. I have a a progression that I like to follow. Um, but I like to start with C A O P S M T. We can build so many real and nonsense two and three letter words with that combination. And that's how you really help kids become confident. A lot of people will say, Oh, um, you know, sight words help kids build confidence. And it seems that way. If we just teach kids sight words or high-frequency words to memorize, it seems like they have a lot of confidence in reading. But really what we're doing is we're just teaching them to memorize and they don't have any reading skills. But if we teach those eight letters, 
and teach them how to blend real and nonsense words. So that means like, I'm going to say, ah, mm, am, mm, ah, ma, s, ah, sa, s, at, sat, t, ass, tas. I'm going to build real and nonsense words and I'm going to become so such a master in those eight letters, blending them forwards and backwards, that I actually understand how blending and decoding works. So that means that when I see a word I'm not familiar with, my brain knows exactly the skills I need to decode the word instead of just trying to guess or remember a word that I've memorized. So that's why it's important to make sure that we're doing this with nonsense words letting kids decode, practice decoding nonsense words. And it's fun too. It's like silly. It's like language is a code. We're decoding. Phonics actually means following the code. That's why the word decoding is something that you'll hear because learning phonics is learning the code of of the English language. So Bob books do follow the code and are decodable. So there's a lot of great things about Bob books. What I don't like about Bob books is that people think that they do teach kids how to read. There is a way that you can build fluency with Bob books for sure. I don't think that Bob books are the holy grail by any means. I think that if that is all you have for books, then they're a good option. Personally, I prefer to build words and kind of write my own books and let kids be a part of the experience. So you could write short sentences that are decodable. Like I like to build on, you know, decoding sentences in that way. And I like to help kids learn to devour books. So like we just become obsessed with reading and obsessed with the story. And here's what's interesting. So if you listen to my podcast about like the reading crisis in America and about Lucy Calkins and all the things, there's this big debate that people will say kids need to practice decoding. And then Lucy Calkins was like, kids need to fall in love with reading. But there is a middle ground. We do want both of those things to happen. So I like to separate that. I like to say, yeah, let's practice decoding. Let's practice it by like writing a secret sentence to each other. Or I like to get out like a dry erase board and write a decodable message, like while you're making breakfast or like do like a word scramble, write three sentences together and have them decode those sentences as you're doing another activity. So maybe make it five sentences. Bob books really are like five to eight sentences. So it's not like it's some magic formula. It's just short decodable sentences. So you can just write those with your child or you can just help them build those. Like they should be able to write those too. If they're reading them, they should also be able to write them. So if you say, let's write a story, Bob can run, Sam can sit, like have them write the sentence and you can even turn it into your own Bob book and just give them so much more ownership and leadership over their learning. I promise you doing something like that is not going to take much more time, but it is going to have a 50 times the impact. So what I've seen with Bob books is that kids, so they come in lots of sets and like, if you finish this one, then you get to the next one. So what I've seen, and I've worked with, you know, over 10,000 kids and a few hundred teachers personally, and looked at all of their data in their classroom and all of the things that they've tried and What I've seen is consistent with Bob books is that most kids look at reading as something to accomplish, 
but reading should be something we want to do all the time. We want to get lost in the story. So the slight shift I make is yes, those sentences, like if you have those sentences or those Bob books, like make them like use them for your own inspo to write sentences and just like make it into fluency practice or make it into, you know, writing practice or like write the sentences on a dry erase board and have them read them, but leave the books for something to like devour that we get lost in the story that like, we just want to read. We don't want to just check it off a list. I actually had a conversation with friends at dinner last night and one of my friends, we were actually out for pizza, um, which I love pizza, but uh, we went to this new place that is professor pizza. There was like a pop-up in the West loop in Chicago and they have cracker thin crust, which is my favorite. Please don't at me Chicago people. I do not like deep dish. I know it's my biggest flaw. Um, just kidding. There's probably more. Um, but we went spoiler alert. I didn't love it, but I liked the crust it was just not hot enough. I really like really, really like piping hot pizza and also spicy. It wasn't spicy enough. I needed jardinera. But my friend was talking about how she, we were talking about pizza parties and she said, oh, and then we were talking about, you know, like that you would get, you know, the pizza. If you, if you read a certain amount of books, you would get a pizza. And then she said, we actually, if we read a certain amount of books, we would get free tickets to Six Flags. So I, which is an amusement park, I was like, did you read the book? She goes, oh no, we lied all the time. And my mom would even lie for me. And it was great because we got free tickets. And I said, do you read as an adult? And she's like, no. But I said, do you like to read? She said, absolutely not. And I was just like, okay, okay, good to know. And obviously she gets by just fine as an adult, but this is why I just don't like to look at anything with reading as something to accomplish because then we see it as a to-do list and not something as a lifelong treasure. Books should be viewed as a treasure. Like We want to just get lost in story. And when we love something and don't do it to accomplish, like that's great. Because how many of you as adults just love decoding books? I mean, personally, I do because I'm weird. I like decoding words. But no, when you read you either like want to read for information or you want to read to like get lost in the story. But if you like, I don't know anybody that really just is like, Ooh, I can't wait to decode. So that's my biggest mm, irritation with Bob books is that the way we use them. So I like to say, let's accomplish this decoding task and do the same amount of phrases, the same amount of sentences, the same amount of work, but do it in like a fluency drill or like do it with a dry erase board or, you know, writing and reading together, maybe making your own books. But I like to help kids get lost in a story and just love the act of, of stories, of, of reading, of of just knowing the characters. So that's my biggest flaw. I don't think that Bob books are bad, of course, like decodable is decodable, but I think a lot of people miss mix up what we do with Bob books. I think they think they teach kids how to read, but actually you teach kids how to read. And 
you teach it in your regular life. And the more you can implement it in your regular life, the more it's actually going to make sense to kids. So this is why in the workshop I led last week, teacher said, what do you do? How do you write your lessons? So good, so engaging in 10 to 15 minutes. And I said, I never write my lessons. I, I know that answer sucks, but I don't write lessons. I just make sure that I have so much knowledge of the topics that I'm teaching about that no matter what happens, I can think of 40 activities to do in that moment. So I like to think about like Bob books are not the be all end all. They're not going to teach your kids. You need to understand why and how everything works. You need to understand why you want to teach your kids to read. If your answer is just because kids need to read, go dig deeper. Because if you don't understand that learning to read is life and death, learning to read is the most important thing in the world. Learning to read is exciting. Learning to read is not scary. Learning to read is not confusing. It's a code. It's a mystery that we can solve together. It's There's rules and patterns to follow and learn about, and it's exciting, and it's fun to learn something new. And oh my gosh, you just learned that sound, and then you were able to read it in a sign. And those signs help us get places like to our friend's house or our grandparents' house. And now that you know that one letter, you've spotted it everywhere. And now time passes in a different way because you know what to look for and you understand the environment around you. And, and now you know that word so you can write love in a letter to someone and you can express yourself and you can explain things differently and you feel like you're a part of something that matters and you just feel proud of yourself and confident. Like that is what reading is. And when we just teach kids, it's something to accomplish. And then we move on to our life and go to the pool or go see a friend. We're not, we're missing the entire point. And that's why kids think of it as a chore because we're thinking of it as a, as a chore. So if you see reading as a chore or a task, or let's get our 20 minutes in, or let's just read two Bob books and then our lesson is done, then you're setting your kids up to think of it as a chore and, and an annoyance for the rest of your life or the rest of their time that they're in school to get their 20 minutes a day in. Then, so, so it's gotta be you that just understands why it's magical and why it matters and what's exciting about it. And ooh, let's do this together because this is going to change the rest of your life. And because when you go off to college or you're married or you have your own baby and you read a book with them, you remember who you are because of the moments that we spent learning to read together. And it was so special and magical and fun. And it wasn't scary and annoying and a battle between us. And it wasn't something that you just checked off the list. And it wasn't something that that just felt kind of frustrating. And it wasn't something that I said you could have a treat for if you did. It was something that you asked for. It was something that you said, mom, can we do that? Or dad, can we do that? Or grandma, can we, can we practice together? Because it was such a meaningful connection that we had built together. And you remember who you are because of those moments. That's what we want reading to be. And that's how we raise kids who love reading and learning and who want to be lifelong learners and grow and challenge themselves and not be afraid of a problem when they are faced with it. That's how we raise kids who want to jump into 
the, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this, but I can't wait to figure it out. That's how we raise kids who go to school and say like, ooh, I can't wait to find out what I'm going to learn today. I can't wait to share this with other people. I can't wait to change my community. I can't wait to bring this to my family. I can't wait to lead my younger brothers and sisters in this way, or I can't wait to have a conversation with grownups about this. That's how we actually exist and build a beautiful, creative, different kind of world. So I know that's kind of heavy for just Bob books. What do we do with Bob books? But that's why I don't quote love Bob books because I don't want kids to feel like they have to accomplish reading. I want kids to feel like they love learning and I want them to feel like they love learning with whoever is teaching them how to read. But if your kids do actually love the story in Bob books and they love following Bob, that's great. That's totally fine. But just don't just use Bob books as a tool, not as the thing that is teaching your kids how to read. You have to be the one teaching your kids how to read and you have to understand why you're teaching your kids how to read. And you have to feel like it's a fun thing to teach your kids how to read. And I can help you get there. So if you feel stuck, please reach out. If you do have Bob books, just use them as tools and, you know, maybe like let them color in the pictures. Let your kids feel like this is a fun journey to be on together instead of something that we're accomplishing and then getting to the fun. The journey is in learning to read. It's not when we get there and are reading on our own. The whole process is a journey together. The whole process is exciting. The whole process is going to be something to think about for the rest of their lives. So make it fun, make it exciting, make it engaging. And if it happens to be with Bob books, that's great. If it is happens to be with books that you make on your own with recycled paper or recycled receipts, that is also great. These are not the holy grail of learning to read at all. You are. You are the, you are the, the most important part of learning to read, just you, not any product that you have. So I hope that helps answer some questions about Bob books. They are not bad. They are definitely better than books that have high frequency words, um, like that aren't as much decodable. So listen back to how I said each of the sounds and look for books that say words following those sound patterns. And those are the books that you want. If you can't find any of those, you can absolutely make your own sentences. Like I did that. My, I mean, you're going to have a couple of words that are high frequency. Like my mom is fun. Think of sentences that you can decode and help your child learn to write and read them. So maybe they draw a picture and they write the sentence like she is my mom and you can help them write that sentence or let them see you write that sentence. Remember to model at their approximate level, not at way too big of a level. And that also means if they're writing the word princess, stretch out the word princess and let them hear you say the sounds that you hear princess. They might not hear that short E sound in cess. So maybe write, you write this s maybe they do hear it so see what level they're at and then model writing at that level so they can see it as approachable 
rather than, oh, my grown-up knows how to do everything and I don't know how to because I'm little. Model drawing at their level too. Like, oh, this is, they can only draw a circle and a line. So draw people with circles and four lines and then circles for eyes. And then maybe model a curve for the mouth. That's what you could do with your two and three-year-old. So if we model at the level that they are able to reproduce it, then we're really helping them understand what they can do and giving them such a bigger stage to try something new and and try more instead of feeling like they can't do everything. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much, uh, Amy, for your question about Bob Books. Um, I love your questions. Please, please, please email me or DM me at Big City Readers any questions that you have. I love to break them down in longer form here on the podcast. Um, or if you want to do a one-on-one consultation, we can do that too. Um, but that is all I have for you today. I hope you have a wonderful week. And P.S., if you are not having a wonderful week, one of the best ways to turn that around is not sponsored, watching The Nanny. Um, that was obviously a joke because uh, <laughs> who? how could I have a sponsorship to watch The Nanny? And if you know, please tell me because I am obsessed. I don't know why I spent the last 20 years of my life not watching it. I watched it as a child and all of a sudden, one of my friends was like, you got to rewatch The Nanny. It is the most wholesome, pure, lighthearted show. If you need something to rewatch, it's really going to give your brain that warm, fuzzy feeling. So check it out on HBO Max and thank me later. Okay, you guys, that's all from me. I will see you soon. Bye.